Welcome to Day Zero Update for May 9th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Sologi. I'm Brandon Parkins. And I'm Dan Victorio. And yeah, we've got a busy week of news here. Oh, yeah. Uh, a couple of things that kind of surprisingly released this week. Uh, a couple more things, including a Nintendo announced game you might not have expected. Though if you know the origin of this game, you might not be that surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found out what the uh, Judgment Stream ended up as. Mm-hmm. As well as a interesting bit of uh, news for what the, the future of that and the Yakuza series is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found a new way for, Dan, uh, for uh, Brandon to play The Division. Yeah. Uh, Sony announced a big partnership for their for new service coming to their OS for the PS5 at least. Uh, let's see, we got some Apple and Epic lawsuit tidbits mm. as things have been dropping out of that. Oh yeah. Uh, we got another bit of news from EA as far as their sports portfolio kind of opening up this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, some more E3 news and a couple of big departures. Mm-hmm. That we'll get to. It's kind of the the slate for this month or this week, I guess. So mm-hmm. before we get to that stuff, we'll talk about what we've been playing. I will start here. Uh, I've been playing a bunch of Ratchet and Clank, uh, particularly been streaming Ratchet and Clank Future Quest for Booty, mm-hmm. which uh, is a weird game to stream because I specifically looked up how long it was because I had forgotten. I thought it was like maybe three to four hours. How long to beat said it was, you know, three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And so I streamed it. was like, well, I uh, was going to see if I could maybe get through the whole thing in one stream. Kind of didn't. Uh, ended up stopping about two hours in. Came back expecting like another like hour, hour and a half kind of thing. And ended up being like 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was a lot closer than I thought I was. Uh, which is not too surprising. Mm-hmm. That game was not, it was like a 10 or $15 game Yeah, at the time. Uh, a teaser for Kraken uh, uh, Time. Mm-hmm. And particularly this this game's basically just to find out uh, that, you know, Dr. Nefarious is the next big villain. Yeah. That he's returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting game in itself because it's set in one planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to a couple different locales within that, but for the most part, it's a lot more open than mm-hmm. the Ratchet and Clank games have been up to that point in terms of, you know, they tell you, hey, there's five of these windmills we need you to set up and you yeah. have to go uh, do that in any order. Though generally you'll do the ones that are easiest to get to but uh then you get to another island where also similarly it's like hey there's like three big puzzles you gotta you gotta solve in a very kind of uncharted way where it's like oh there's this whole big uh set piece here mm. this puzzle though a lot of them are fairly simple one's just like oh here's here's these weird like piano key type puzzle mm. as it basically does you know simon says kind of thing yeah uh, there's one where it just tells you, wants you to mix, mix drinks for him. So he tells you like little poems. You have to discern what the the order is for the drinks, the ingredients for it. 
uh, that kind of stuff. And the third one, I forget what that one was. It was, uh, it was like a light puzzle. We had these oh. three parts of a sign that you had to line up so that it made the right sign, then threw you a bunch of enemies to fight, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then it got to the got through that whole section, then finished off with the final boss fight, which was a bit annoying in a couple of points because it was like one of those uh, you're fighting this big a ghost pirate that you know swaps between like a a uh, a robot form and a, a ghostly form, and the ghostly mm-hmm. form can like slam these swords down. Oh yeah, it's a little bit tougher to discern the puzzle for that stuff the pattern mm-hmm. and you only have like 16 hit points too so it can take a few of those off each time so if you're not nailing that right away you just put yourself in trouble for later yep so but you beat that fight it's done it's like oh not really there's no challenge mode or anything no replay value really to it you don't even get a full weapon bar as far as I could tell mm. which was weird I was like oh you just didn't throw in another one even if it's a useless one. Mm. But that was still fun to play. Uh, kind of get some of the context for story stuff going into the third game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've also been playing the original as so I'm still kind of trying to see if the Platinum is a doable thing for me. Mm. There's a couple of trophies that are trouble. One for just collecting one million bolts. You don't have to have it all at once. Uh, so that's good, but you also have to get the all the weapons, which means the Rhino, which is the one I'm working on earning, which I still have like 70-some thousand bolts, so I'm still quite a ways away. Yeah. From that, there's then getting all the golden weapons, which is just the same weapon, but it's gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no real upgrade stuff in this game like there is in the, the sequels. But yeah, some of the skill points are pretty tough. I did one on Pokotaru, which is the sort of ocean paradise planet that mm. requires you to use the Visibomb, uh, which is a rocket launcher where you have to fly the missile in first-person mode. And they want you to want you to take out three of the ships that are flying around in the air with it. So you can't like lock on with it or anything, and the ships are just flying erratically in a way that's like... It's like if the ships were controlling like Ridge Racer cars do. Like, constantly drifting back and forth uh, in an erratic way. And it's like, that's an easy way to burn a bunch of money doing that stuff. So after trying a couple times, I ended up just trying to save Scummit, where I just took one shot. If I could hit one, good. If not, I reloaded. That kind of thing. So once I got one, then I kept doing that. Though I ended up just, I got a second one after a couple more shots. And then it was like, all right, we'll just try and get the third one here. Uh, I managed to get it with a few left. So that wasn't too bad, but it was just one of those. It's the guide that I have is specifically telling me like, this is a really hard one, which is not great. Also, this guide's not great either because it's telling me, this one on the first planet needs the thruster pack, which I got, and I was like, how does this work? It's not actually the thruster pack at once. Mm. It wants uh, the one that lets you swim underwater with some actual power to it. Uh, and that one doesn't do that. It's like, uh, 
just made me waste a bunch of time before I looked up another guide and it's like, oh, that's not actually the thing at once. Mm-hmm. There's another one that was like describing directions, but not from not giving you a point of reference. Yeah. With like stuff like that. It was like, go to the right. And I was like, wait, from behind the ship when I start up? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's off in this direction. It's like, oh, that's the left for me. Or just describe the place it's going. It's very basic description stuff. But it's been good enough for the most part. And if there's anything that's giving me issues, I just Google it. So yeah, that's uh, that's been the Ratchet and Clank bits. Uh, also been playing some more Returnal. Having some good runs. Cutting to uh, the second world, the biome, uh, again a couple times. I've uh, been kind of trying to do some grinding in the first biome. Just trying to mm-hmm. get some good perks and all that out of it, which I did. But then I just got to the point of just getting kind of a death by a thousand cuts in the mm-hmm. second biome, uh, especially running to some tough enemies I hadn't fought before. Uh, this one that can kind of teleport around and he's very melee focused and running at you, uh, mm-hmm. which definitely not uh, great with those when I had the, the electro pylon shooter. Uh, gun so still working my way through that and I have a bad habit of getting enough uh, ether for unlocking a new weapon mm-hmm. and just doing that uh, at the start of another run when I'm actually trying to quit out and be done for the day so I'm essentially like because you get it when you start so it's essentially a waste for me to do that I need to stop spinning it right away instead of just quitting out and let me do that my next run so I have one that's kind of just sitting in rest mode right now. Waiting to see if that actually sticks. If not, it's not a big deal. Because I'm literally at the beginning of the of the run, so that's not too bad. But yeah, I've been enjoying that a lot. And also been playing some more Hatsune Miku Logic Paint S, which is the Hatsune Miku themed Picross game, which just put out a big update. I guess to add like an assist option to it. That also made the game a lot harder to play uh, mm. because you, one of the ways you typically play a Picross game is you, uh, you know, hold down the button for painting or putting up X's or whatever, uh, dragging it across, uh, up or down, whatever you need to. And they seem to take that away in this update for some reason. So now if I am, you can paint by dragging it, but you cannot put down X's or anything like that. Uh, so it's just making the, uh, the act of playing the game just a little bit harder than it really needs to be. Cause this is very kind of, uh, old school Picross style controls right now. I'm hoping they fix that, but it's been a few weeks of this. So I don't think they realize that it's actually an issue. So that's kind of that. And that's been, uh, pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Yeah, well, uh, for me, I uh, played and finished Near Replica, um, and I started some work on my review yesterday. Um, and the thing about uh, Near Replicant is, it's it's kind of the the thing about the Nier, the first Near game when you compare it to Automata is that a lot of the um, 
ideas that the first near game explored they kind of improved upon and perfected in automata that doesn't mean that the first game doesn't have things that are good about it story-wise i will say though that in certain places if you played automata you kind of know how some of the story already ends because some of the characters from the first near game make their return in near automata um albeit in somewhat esoteric fashion, but it's there. Um, the um, the thing about how much like with Automata, you have to play the game multiple times in order to get the full story, um, it kind of does that in sort of a unique way um, that actually is kind of distinct from how Near Automata does it. In Near Automata, when you finish the game and get, like, the true ending, you're asked whether or not, you know, you want to give up your save data so you can assist other players in that final sequence. Um, and the thing is, in the original Near, the true, quote-unquote, endings were actually tr- two endings, and they both revolved around the choice that you ended up making at, after the final... Uh, battle that you end up having um and the thing is you can either it's individual who is cursed with a shade and you can either put them out of their misery or you can give up your own uh what they call a gestalt and let her have her life back but it would mean that your entire existence and everything you've done and even the idea that you existed will be erased from everyone's memory. And much as like it did in Automata, the game basically goes into like the save file and show and like physically deletes your save files and shows you like erasing all the stuff you've gotten up to that point and all that. But in Near Replicant, in this new version, they actually added a new ending called Ending E. And ending E actually di- more directly ties the game into Near Automata. Even uses some locations and imagery from Near Automata to make the connection more obvious. And it's really weird because you would not know that this ending exists unless you played a new uh, file using a different name than the one you used before. And then playing it up to a certain point. Um, it's very bizarre, but it is so very much worth it. Because you managed, by doing it, you managed to actually rescue your old save file. And you get your old save file back. Um, but yeah, it's still heavily recommended. I, I still recommend it. It's uh, uh, When my review comes out, you'll see... It still has its flaws, um, and it still kind of has the jank of like a PS3, Xbox 360 era game, but it's still, it's it's definitely a step up from the original. I'll give it that much. Um, so since I've done that, I, taking advantage of my PSN subscription, uh, I got Streets of Rage 4, um, which is now, you know, out. And if you if you're if you got PS if you got access to PS now you can go and download it and you know it was a lot of people's over at Smash Pads are uh, 
game of the year, and there is a reason why it is damn good um, and surprisingly deep for what on the surface seems like a simple, you know, side-scrolling beat-em-up. Um, I also, yeah, I, and like, yeah, I love the animation. I love the character design. I love how they've taken like a very old school sort of franchise and made it both, you know, very much like, you know, very much like the original, but also make it more relevant to the modern world. So it seems more modern. Um, it's a great game. I love it. Um, and uh, other than that, I've also been going back and playing Apex Legends again because it's been a hot minute since I played that. Um, but yeah, uh, that's what I've been playing. So, Dan Rip, what about you? Yeah, um, I've kind of toned it down a little bit, but I did finish the um, the campaign in a new Pokemon Snap. Um, so yeah, uh, I haven't started my review yet, but um, I, I will this week. And yeah, this game is. Um, so much bigger than what the original was one was like you know 19 20 years ago and uh the reason being is just uh the number of courses not to mention the, the like the, the amount of pokemon there are to snap there and what makes it interesting is that uh there's definitely a uh, a progression of flow but it's never really defined because like uh sometimes you unlock a new area and you won't really know how to progress like sometimes you have to uh, take a picture of uh, Pokemon in specific situations, or you have to um, take a picture of what are called crystal blooms. And these crystal blooms uh, uh, are pretty much just flowers that uh, grow throughout every level. And um, they also shine and they and illuminate well whatever is near it, including the Pokemon. So you get to, you, you get to see what's called the Illumina phenomenon. And every um, particular place that you visit. Uh, will eventually have uh, an Illumina level where they uh, focus on a certain uh, Pokemon to capture. So, for example, the first world um, has an Illumina Meganium, and uh, you pretty much just follow it throughout the level and just take as many pictures as possible. But what's weird about it, though, is that whenever you end each level, you can only submit one photo per Pokemon to the professor to rate. And um, the rating that the uh, professor gives you... uh, determines the amount of points you get, and those points are used to level up each uh, course in the game. So, I mean, I don't even know, like, what the max level is uh, per course you're in, but whenever um, your courses are leveled up, uh, more Pokemon show up with more um, scenarios to be put in for you to take a snapshot of. So there's really a lot of depth in the game that um, was really uh, like just just not there in the original, and I I definitely appreciate that. You know, as as someone that's really matured as a gamer, um, I think I have about fifteen hours in this game, which is probably triple what I had in the original. I mean, with, with the original, I I beat it on a rental, and um, yeah, I'm pretty sure like you know if Blockbuster still existed, like I wouldn't be able to beat it as uh, fast as I did e- even a long time ago. So yeah, I uh, really enjoyed the game. Um, after you roll credits, you actually also get an opportunity to uh, take pictures of legendary Pokemon, including like uh, Celebi, Jirachi, and a whole bunch of others. Um, obviously, I haven't really scratched the surface there yet, but um, I'm at a point where I can go ahead and put this game away for a while and start something else, and I probably will. I, I do want to get uh, start, get started on uh, Ratchet and Clank, so I'll go ahead and get to that. Um, aside from that, I've been playing uh, Returnal. 
Um, I haven't um, played as many rounds as I would like this week, just because it's just because it was busy. But um, with this, um, you know, sudden lull we have in releases for for the month, I mean, I, I'm not interested in, in, in Resident Evil, so I can go ahead and take a rest for a bit. But yeah, that's largely been it. All right, so yeah, let's get to some news here. Uh, it's another month. That means the other subscription services, PlayStation Now and Game Pass, have announced their new slate of games. Mm-hmm. We'll start with PlayStation Now, and as Brandon mentioned, Streets of Rage 4 is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like that one is available until November 1st, so you can grab that uh, and have a, a good bit of time for that. Uh, if you are weird, Jump Force is available. Yeah, I tried that, and... It, 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 it sounds like a great concept on paper, but the execution is black. Yeah, but yeah, if you want to try it without spending any money on it, uh, it's a decent way to check it out. Uh, that is available until August 2nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably the other highlight game for the month is Neo. Yep, first the original Neo. Neo, which is uh, a very good sort of Souls-like kind of game mm-hmm. where... Now you're playing, I guess you're playing as like a foreigner. You're Um, playing a guy based on a person who did actually exist, uh, but it's a historical fantasy. So, I mean, there's a lot of historical figures that show up. Hattori Hanzo was there. Tokugawa Yasu, Oda Nobunaga, Yasuke. uh, They all make appearances. Yeah, but... Very much in the Souls vein, you know, got different weapons. Each one controls differently. As you can find sort of the stuff you, the weapons you like to work with, that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a whole neat thing where you can find where people died and sort of fight uh, their AI versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing. So if you want to challenge yourself, uh, there's that. So that seems to be a permanent addition. So you don't have to rush to that if you don't need to. But that's a game well worth checking out. Uh, That's it for the month. A little bit short, but uh, some neat stuff there. It's got two good games out of it. (laughs) Yeah. For Game Pass, let's see. They got. Oh, yeah. There was a big surprise release Dragon Quest Builders 2. PC and console Game Pass. Yeah. That uh, I've heard a lot of good things about that. Haven't checked it out yet, but uh, you can now. It's the first time on Xbox. All that, which Square Enix did put out an email announcing this. Mm-hmm. Instead of Octopath Traveler, we're just never acknowledges its existence. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, if you have EA Play or uh, Game Pass Ultimate or Game Pass on PC, you can check out FIFA 21 now. Mm-hmm. Full The full game. Yeah. Uh, with all that. Uh, so that's also on... Origin and PS4 and PS5 mm-hmm. for those versions of EA Play. Uh, let's see. There's Outlast 2. Yep. Uh, for console and PC. So that is just another follow-up to Outlast, which I don't think I heard as many great things about that one. It seems like they tried some different things, but maybe not worked for everybody. Yeah, some people some people liked it, some people didn't. Yeah, I honestly thought that uh, it was just fine, uh, yeah. as the last one was. I mean, it was sheer. I mean, it was still like pants shitting terror. <laughs> yeah, 
I guess some people just some people you can't please, I guess. Yeah. Uh let's see. Also out now is Steep for console. Mm. Yeah, just for the console. Uh it's the Ubisoft open world sort of uh snowboarding. Ping, snowboarding. Uh there's like the the flying squirrel suit kind of thing. I think there's a few different methods of travel mm-hmm. uh, for that stuff. So if you haven't tried that out, that's been that's been on like PlayStation Plus. I think games with gold, uh, various ways you could get access to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, these are, next ones are for the 13th. There's Final Fantasy 10 and 10-2 HD remaster for console and PC. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't checked that out, that's another way to check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this just cause four reloaded. Maybe includes the DLC. I'm not sure, but I've never gotten that far into that game as much as I liked two and three. Yeah, or just didn't do it for me. Yeah, it it, it had its issues. Yeah, uh, Psychonauts. Which, if you've not played by now, you really should. Yeah, that's uh, this is I think the Xbox original version. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're doing any sort of new thing to it, but maybe they are. I don't know. It's console and PC. Mm-hmm. That's worth checking out, especially before the second game comes out at some point. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's Red Dead Online. This is that yeah. sort of spinoff of Red Dead Redemption 2. They mm-hmm. just put out the online mode in its own form. Yeah. To beg people to play it somehow. Uh, so now you yeah. can sort of check that out without putting down the 20 bucks for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. There's also Remnet from the Ashes for the PC. Yeah. Has. That's uh, another Souls-like that's uh, it yeah. does better than most other Souls-like does. So Yeah, it has a neat feel to it where it's kind of built around three-player co-op. Mm-hmm. Uh, also kind of being able to play the, the different levels in sort of any order. Mm. And so you get different experiences and how it serves things to you. It serves, uh, yeah, it serves that stuff up to you. Mm-hmm. So when you sort of describe what you're, what you've been doing with friends, you know you might have different experiences than they do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that's the the Game Pass stuff. Yeah. So some nice stuff there. Yeah, their their whole quests for this month are where they're like declaring it Zombie Month, so mm-hmm. making people like play a decent chunk of like RE Seven or The Evil Within. Mm. Uh, and of course if you go on like true achievements or sites like that like can, can I do this without getting achievements in it kind of thing which like RE7 you have to download the free not a hero mm. thing they put out that lets you play as Chris and you can go and get uh, a handful of items there without getting any achievements mm. uh, even within I think it requires you to play through a whole chapter of it first because there's no enemies in it yeah uh, and then you just basically go to the point where you're killing one enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do that, and then you restart the whole chapter. It's like weird stuff. The other one was like State of Decay, kill 11 zombies, which is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the tracking wasn't working well right away. And Minecraft was like kill 20 zombies or monsters, which is not hard either. Mm-hmm. So that was weird stuff. But that's your other subscription service lineups for this month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a bad lineup for um, Xbox Game Pass. Uh, for me in particular, 
I played most of these, but Steep is one that's definitely uh, interesting to me. Like that, 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 that's always been on my radar for a while, um, and I never had a chance. So this is probably a good shot to try it out. Yeah. But let's see. Also, a thing you can check out now is the demo for World's End Club on Switch, yep. which, which is, is it's a new game from the creators of Danganronpa and Zero Escape. Yep. Um. And, uh, yeah, it's got, like, all the weirdness you would expect from both of those games. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it looks like the people who did the... It looks like they got some of the people from Studio Trigger to do the character designs, too. Um, yeah, maybe. But, uh, yeah. Um, and that's out yeah, May 28th. Definitely a game I had on my radar. Um, like you said, like, the... The designs for the characters is rather interesting. I do enjoy Studio Trigger's work, though I don't really enjoy their anime all that much. Um, mm. But yeah, like this one looks good. I actually just downloaded it and like played maybe about five minutes of it, and it, it was mostly like side-scrolling, basic platforming. And then you eventually get to this part where uh, you get to fight a boss, but you don't actually fight it, and you're flashed back to like how they got to that part. So yeah, yeah the main reason why I downloaded this was because. Um, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't really play demos all that much. But you you get to uh, forge your progress to the actual game, and I do look forward to picking, picking this up. So yeah, because it's set up like the like those games where it's you know, very saw esque of these people are trapped in this this survival game of Pretty sorts. Much. But but then it's canceled for some reason. Mm. They have to go and figure out like what they're gonna do. After yeah. That. So they go traveling across Japan. Yeah. So I was like, oh, let's do the opposite. What if, what if nothing happens? Yeah. So I've, I've always enjoyed this field trip stuff. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's out now. You can check it out. Uh, also, a thing you can check out is Baldur's Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, the original old game from the the PS2 era. Yeah. That is uh, on all the consoles. Mm-hmm. PS4, PS5, Xbox One, all the Xbox Series X's and S's. And Switch, uh, maybe the most uh, disappointing thing is it's thirty bucks, mm-hmm. and there's not really any changes to it. They just make it, you know, work better for widescreen displays, 4K TVs, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, but it still supports two-player local co-op, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's uh, it's like one of the first big sort of Diablo clones on the consoles. Mm. Yeah, for all the good and bad that was at that point. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a it's a game that people liked a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing you can check out now. Uh, coming out soon here later this month on May 28th is Wonder Boy Asha in Monster World. Yep, for the uh, West on PS4 and Switch. Yeah, June 29th for PC on Steam. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess I I didn't know the developer of this was Studio Art Dink. Yep. He's made a lot of uh, weird games over the years. Mm-hmm. If you want to Google their name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is a fully remake, full 3D remake of the original game, but it's still in 2D perspective. Yeah. So shaded to, uh, 3D art, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And it seems like it's going to be 35 bucks digitally, 40 bucks retail. If you buy it retail, you get the original Monster World 4. Mm-hmm. As this is a remake of that, 
But if you get it digitally, you do not, which I don't mm. I don't know why you would not offer that. But they might be selling that separately at some point. Mm-hmm. That might be on Arcade Archives. I don't know. Already. I don't know, but that's a neat thing you can check out if you're interested in that kind of uh, side-scrolling action platformer with a little bit of like RPG stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically that's what uh Wonder Boy is like. Um it's it's essentially it was one of those series that first got its start on the Sega Master System. And um it was like one of those cult hits that was around, you know, before Sonic came along. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely got a pedigree to it. And one of those series it's very Japanese in terms of there's Monster World and Monster Boy that are the same franchise, but people are trying to figure out like which one is which one as far as the numbers. There's a lot of confusion on that because they just did not give a damn about making that clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are numbers that maybe they don't actually use. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole weird thing, but yeah, you can check out this new one here in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Coming out June 11th is a new Nintendo game. Uh, Game Builder Garage. What a weird name, but I believe this is sort of a spinoff of the, uh, what is it, the those cardboard uh, uh, that we were making. It like that, but it's also, it looks like it's also sort of teaching people how to actually make games, more or less. Yeah, there's one of the game, one of the, the things you can make, you had like programmable stuff you can make for it. Sort of yeah, game you're using it in. It's, you're talking about Labo. That's what you. Yeah, were talking Labo. Kind of like that, a combination of Labo and Mario Maker. Um, yeah, like this is one of those things in there. I think it's called Garage. Mm-hmm. That allowed you to kind of make your own sort of game type things to use the 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 cardboard stuff for. And it's sort yep. of hey, what if we did that, but not make you build something to actually use it? Yeah, and make it more intuitive than they've done in the past in these type of things. Yeah. So from what I've read, there are still it, some caveats like you can only share your games with a code. Yeah. Well no links, of, no like online infrastructure to share that stuff with people. Yeah, basically like, basically like uh what they did with the first Mario Maker. Um and if you look at the screenshots, this thing definitely has the guts of Mario Maker in it. It has a lot of uh, visual programming stuff to it. Uh, that looks pretty well done from everything I've seen of this. Yeah. Seems like it would be a pretty neat thing to to mess around with, and it's only 30 bucks, so it's not asking that much of you, mm-hmm. money-wise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, 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 it looks cool, but it doesn't do much for me, just because like I know how hard games are to make, and you know I'm, I, don't, I don't really have that creative mind. But um, this does look like a cross between... Uh, games like Mario Maker and Dreams, but you know, mm-hmm. Dreams is just a little bit is, is is far more complicated. Whereas this is something that and and it looks like, um, sort of a a gateway to uh, development for kids, um, mm-hmm. just because of the the way that everything is designed. And 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 I think it's cool. And yeah, the thirty dollar price point is attractive, but I don't really see this taking off unless like it was made for free. And the problem is, it's Nintendo. They're not going to release a game like this for free. I mean, like PlayStation can also like benefit from making dreams free, but they they, they won't do that either. So uh, tough to say there. Yeah, 
But yeah, it seems pretty neat. But yeah, like PC, I think, has similar kinds of tool sets for people to use. So those might be better just on the price front. But yeah, it seems seems like a neat thing if you've got uh, somebody who wants to try their hand at making stuff. You can also uh, use a mouse with this thing, uh, which is pretty neat. Uh, if you plug it in through the USB port on the dock. So yes, uh-huh. definitely, uh, definitely better than, you know, trying to use the Joy-Con or some or something for all of it. So, yeah. Yeah. So that is that it seems like it has a lot of assets in, t- in it. So you can sort of have, uh, some easier ways to make, uh, these various type of games. They show up in the trailer, like a quick racing game, platformers, uh, shooters, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll be interested in seeing how that how that looks when it comes out. But it's out on the same day as uh, Ratchet and Clank. So yeah, that's a big strike on it for me. <laughs> yeah, good point. But yeah, this uh, let's see. Oh yeah, we got the new game in the Judgment series, Lost mm-hmm. Judgment. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a date on it, but it's coming to both the PlayStations and Xbox consoles. Uh, I think PC is not. Uh, in the mix at launch, but it might be later on. But I think it's, it says here worldwide release in September. Mm, I see September twenty fourth. Okay. All right. And sort of part of this whole announcement thing, they also said that hey, uh, going forward, the Yakuza games mm-hmm. will be sticking to turn based battles, like in like a dragon. Yeah, and the yeah. Judgment series will stay action focused. Yeah, actually, to be honest, I think that's for the best because honestly, with uh, as much as I love the older Yakuza games, uh, the combat system was never really um, that big of a draw. But the turn-based system they used for Like a Dragon was supremely more interesting. Yeah, they they built it out really well. Oh yeah, first try on that kind of thing. And I think with the like the action thing is like they've done that for seven Yakuza games. I think it's just at this point. Yeah, uh, zero and one through six, as well as a couple of spinoffs. Mm-hmm. So I think it might be in their best interest if Judgment is going to keep going on as its own thing. Mm-hmm. That's you know that could keep the action thing going and people can play that if they want the action type of uh, Ryu Gakutoku game. Yeah, um, I, I echo uh, Brandon's uh, sentiment here. I mean, like, I've, I've enjoyed the Yakuza series um, for about as long as anybody has, but I've really found a renewed love for the series as soon as I finished um, Like a Dragon. Um, my, my main reason being um, Ichiban Kasuga is just, like, probably one of the most revered uh, protagonists in, in a game, much less, much less an, an RPG for me. And I, and I, and I really, like it, it really hit home as far as like the way it was, the way it was uh, developed um, in regards to like, you know, um, the series as a whole, like I, I, I feel for purists in the form that, you know, it kind of sucks where a game that's primarily been an action based uh, combat system moving into turn bases is, is, is a little weird, especially in this era. Um, I, I'm, I'm willing to accept it primarily because um, Cosmo Curio's story is done. 
the, the the torch has been passed. If you've played seven, you already know that happened. So you know it's it, it's time for that change. Uh, granted, I haven't played Judgment. Um, the time I started it was uh, when they announced the PS5 version, which is out now, and I haven't picked it up yet. But I plan on doing that soon. And um, you know, like granted, yeah, I, I haven't played it, but um, it, it it does seem like um, the two different routes they're taking with the series in general um are definitely a good routes to take and, and and if judgment was successful enough to boon this sequel you know i'm all for it yeah yeah it's nice to offer a little variety between the two series that they're working on especially as like a dragon has done really well for them so it's nice to see them kind of at least make a decision mm. on this thing instead of maybe being wishy-washy and going back and forth constantly and be like, oh, is this the Yakuza that's like like a dragon? Or is it like the old ones? Who knows? Mm. But it's nice that they're kind of putting a line in the sand here for the for the future. Yeah. Especially since Judgment is still in the Yakuza universe, so yeah, it's not necessarily like you're losing it. Yeah. And I'll repeat like, what I said. Like I said, I love the old Yakuza games, but the original combat was probably part of the most cumbersome part of that experience. Just being completely frank. Like, the real appeal for me for the, for the older Yakuza games was the just sheer amount of stuff that you could do. You know, Yakuza 0 and the last Yakuza game, those games had, like, entire, like, pool and gambling and video games, and all kinds of, like, full simulations all in one game. Yeah. You know, that was the appeal of those games, was the sheer amount of things you could do at any given time. And also, of course, the story and, you know, just all the characters you could come across. The combat was... just wasn't good. And it it changed depending on which game it was. Mm -hmm. It's when they remade Kiwami and Kiwami 2... Uh, those were on different engines, so they the combat was pretty different between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think two is on the same engine that six is in, so it has the 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 combat stuff that that one was. But I think one was based on the same one that zero used. So it's like weird that all that stuff changed depending on which version of the engine they used to mm-hmm. to make those games and remake them and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Like three, four, and five are just like the the way they were originally. This is just mm-hmm. pure remasters. So it doesn't help that it kind of changes up with each of the games mm. a good bit. Uh, so yeah, that is kind of that. Uh, I see what kind of the the future of what the that studio is working on for the future is going to be. Yeah, and yeah, let's see. Oh yeah, Ubisoft announced a new division game. That is called The Division Heartland. It is free to play. And it is being made by Red Storm Studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can check it out without having to put any further money in it. In it but they haven't really shared too much else for information on it. It's coming to consoles, PC, and cloud platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 2021 to 2022 launch window, so sometime in the next year or so. Yeah. That's about it. They also announced a mobile game, which not really interested in that. Mm-mm. But you know, you've been uh, trying to dabble in the Division stuff? 
Uh, I have back since my free trial, you know, yeah. disappeared. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll see what this has to offer. You know, probably the, the one issue with the vision I had was the, uh, the, the, the play cycle. You know, it's very difficult to keep, you know, yourself interested in that game when you consider the fact that there it is the actual gameplay is so basic. Yeah, to a degree. Uh, a lot of that is it's very live gamey where it's a bunch of different mm-hmm. materials and currencies and such and trying to figure out, you know, what you need to be doing if you want to do you know, upgrade certain things, you know, that kind of stuff, or find new gear that, you know, certain types of new gear, that kind of stuff. Because I jumped back into Resident, uh, Division 2 when they had that Resident Evil event. Yeah. I was just, like, not sure what exactly I should be doing to actually get that, get the other stuff to it. So I got, like, mm. the basic stuff they give you when you first start it. But after that, I was like, I don't, I don't know that I have the, the time to figure all of this out. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, that's that. And yeah, they were they were doing this kind of thing with the the Assassin's Creed where they're announcing all their like uh, extraneous stuff. Like the there's a new book that follows up on Black Flag, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. There's like a webtoon in there. I was like, webtoon? That's not a thing I've heard in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like animation stuff, a uh, bunch of new stories and all that kind of stuff. It's like okay. I didn't see any games, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're they're announcing lots of little things. So that's the what's new for the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get to Sony here. Mm-hmm. They announced a big partnership with Discord to integrate mm-hmm. that into the OS. Uh, as they have, uh, let's see, uh, let's see. The goal is to bring Discord and PlayStation experiences closer together on console and mobile. Starting early next year, allowing friends, groups, and communities to hang out, have fun, and communicate more easily while playing games together. And yeah, they think they've also invested a, a decent chunk of money into the company. Oh yeah. So they're sort of uh, doing some similar stuff like what they did with Epic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this seems like it's gonna be the thing that replaces the community stuff that they shut down on the PS4. Yeah. That's you know, allows you to kind of deal with your existing communities mm-hmm. that you have on Discord and be able to have access to that stuff, at least uh, from the console and uh, phone front. Maybe be able to share your gameplay and screenshots and such through there more easily. So it'll be interesting yeah, to see how that so happens in the... When this, when, when this news first came out, um, I thought it was pretty interesting because, like, you know, um, as we talked about for the past several weeks, um, Microsoft was apparently on the cusp with making a big deal with that Discord, and like you know that th- that would be a huge acquisition for them. And then all of a sudden, this happens, which is you know pretty significant too, because um, one thing that Microsoft does so well that PlayStation or anybody else just can't compare to is like you know their overall online infrastructure. Um, everything from their parties to their communities, everything on PSN can be so much better. And um, Discord can really address a lot of that. Um, granted, like, we don't really know um, anything about the nitty gritty for like what this deal actually does for gamers in general. But mm-hmm. I would assume that it would definitely help their back end. Because like, 
you know, um, Lee set up said it before, like their their infrastructure is just totally messed up, and a lot of things that are that are supposed to be easy to do are just not. And um, hopefully, like on the gamer side, uh, Discord actually does uh, improve uh, various features uh, for it there. And um, I'm hoping it's a <clears throat> it, it's it's a slam dunk for everybody. So why not? Yeah, yeah. It's seems like it's been something they've been thinking about for a while because the the way they have groups set up on the PS5 is very Discord like. Uh, where you can kind of share your, you know, screenshots and such to the group, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So it makes sense that they would uh, maybe flesh that out further with Discord integration mm. and make it more of the official thing versus the their copy of it. Mm. So yeah, that makes sense for what they're what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So that is good. Uh, on the Xbox front, they. Just announced the other day that there are 70 games, about 70 games that just got FPS boost support on the Series X and S. Includes, you know, some games that are infamous for not running well, like uh, Assassin's Creed Unity. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Far Cry 5, uh, Metro Metro Last Light, uh, and a bunch of others. So, yeah, it makes... uh, Make some neat improvements there on a number of games. Mm-hmm. Not sure if there's a full list here, but uh, the ones that are mentioned here in this article are pretty neat ones. Mm. And some that just get support for 120 FPS. Yeah, as well. So good thing. Yep. Yeah. You know, so I I wouldn't know since much like PS5s, Xbox Series X and S's are damn near impossible to find. Yep. I think the S is a little bit more easy to get, but your need for that is maybe not as great as a Series X. Mm-hmm. You probably want the the greater power. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the PS5, it's not uh, not super accessible. No. Nope. Um, so yeah, let's get to the one of the big bits of news this week the epic versus apple lawsuit that's been going on yeah it has brought out a lot of little tidbits of information i've grabbed a couple of them here uh particularly with the money that epic has been spending on games for the service uh one of the big exclusives they got was borderlands 3 and it was revealed that they had paid 115 million dollars for the right to have that being only available in Epic Game Store, which it seems like it made uh, back that much money, plus some for Gearbox to have. So it seems like it was well worth it for both parties mm-hmm. on that front. So yeah, that's uh, that is a lot of money to throw around. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Provided like one of the biggest gross revenue spikes that they've had in their store's history. Mm-hmm. Which Definitely. makes a lot of sense. That's a big PC yeah. PC franchise. Mm-hmm. We also got a list of the uh, the amount of money that they spent for acquiring those uh, free games that you can get through Epic Game Store. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are particularly through, I think, September 2019. 
So a lot of like the the first like nine months of it mm-hmm. of them offering that stuff, and yeah, a lot of these indie games got a very low amount of money for mm-hmm. what they were offering. Uh, like one of our favorites, Axiom Verge, Tom Hap uh, seemed to get eighty thousand dollars for that, mm-hmm. which for one person that's actually pretty good money for him. But mm-hmm. he probably could have gotten more. I, th- I saw Rami Ismail. Uh, looking over the list and being like, all right, Indies, we need you to s- stop just giving away your game for nothing. <laughs> you can get a lot more as, you know, a number of these other games mm-hmm. show with things like Transistor from Supergiants. Got like $200,000. But uh, Super Meat Boy, Thimbleweed Park, Axiom Verge, World of Goo, Rhyme, you know, Last Day of June, uh, stuff like that. Fez, getting way less than that. Mm-hmm. Not really speaking to quality, but just these are some of these. Uh, they also have the Epic UA cost, user acquisition cost. Mm. And yeah, some of the ones that uh, are like the most is, you know, inside from Playdead. They got like $800,000 for that. Mm-hmm. So their player, their user acquisition cost is like 12 bucks. Mm. Versus some of these other indies are like less than a dollar. It's like, man. Mm. And when you're getting, you know, nearly one and a half, two million copies being uh, given away on that. Those aren't necessarily people that wouldn't necessarily spend money on your game otherwise, but those are definitely at least you can advocate more for your for your game, for the offering you're getting there. Mm-hmm. And there's even some here that are a little bit weird, but like Ubisoft for For Honor got like $63,000 on it. Mm-hmm. But I assume that's probably part of because Ubisoft signed a deal to put their games on Epic Game Store over Steam, mm-hmm. and I think some of that's like tied in with the uh, other overall deals with Epic Game Store. Things mm-hmm. like the Metro Twenty Thirty Three Redux is listed as zero dollars, mm-hmm. which I think is part of the Metro Exodus deal. They made that exclusive to the Epic Game Store for launch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, neat little business. Uh, stuff to see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just it, it. It's uh funny how this you know this started as like you know this whole thing where Epic was trying to pass this off as like them trying to like having an issue with like Fortnite and shit. And yeah, it's just it's ballooned out into this weird fucking. Whew. Yeah, there's a lot of dirty laundry that's getting aired for many, many companies. Oh, yeah. For this thing that I imagine a lot of them be like, Jesus Christ, Epic, what the fuck did you do? Mm-hmm. Revealing a lot of like behind-the-scenes stuff for business that typically doesn't see the light of day because, you know, mm-hmm. NDAs and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, user acquisition is like one of the most complicated... Um, budget dealings and all of gaming like um a lot of uh, people that work in ua um don't really um have huge gaming backgrounds because this is a huge like project management sector along with advertising Mm -hmm. and it's really all about you know uh utilizing uh company resources and relationships to find the best price in order to get the uh, best price per user it's really something you see more of in the mobile gaming industry because of all the free-to-play games there are and you know like it's all about getting that 
day one, day two, day three, day four, all the way to 14 day retention because you, you got to find a way to keep these guys playing. And, you know, in regards to a game like Metro, like it's a single player game with a, with a campaign. So as far as like keeping users in, in invested in that, you can't because they're, 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 there's no evergreen model to it. But yeah, it, it, it's interesting seeing these numbers that uh, Epic is putting out. Um, I'm actually surprised some of these some of these were actually put out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to see like a little bit of behind the scenes dealings with this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you can see how undervalued some of these games were by some of their studios. Mm. You can see which ones actually did pretty well. Like Devolver here seemed to do pretty well because they got three hundred thousand for Stories Untold. And Enter the Gungeon was seven hundred thousand mm. for that. Whereas you know, some of these single or small team devs, you know, clearly were not prepared to maybe go back and forth on this. Seem so just take probably what they thought was a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. Now, if they look at you know what others got, it's like maybe it wasn't. Uh, it was like Subnautica, one of the first ones they got is like $1.4 million mm-hmm. for that game, which got a huge amount of entitlements because it was one of the first ones they offered for that, mm-hmm. uh, as well as new accounts and all that. But Yeah, that's a huge part of the dealings, too. Um, when it comes to UA for games of established franchises, those are typically harder and going to be more expensive because they already have a fan base. Um, it's actually a lot easier and more um, profitable to try to get things with new IP, but as we all know, IPs are really hard to launch. So, yeah, yeah. So you can take a look at that and see uh, some of that stuff. So, yeah, pretty neat little thing here. Let's talk about something that's uh, definitely for weirdos: uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. We know that one of the big things they are offering is that the uh, the Mako in the first game is going to uh, be able to control quite a bit better than it did in the original game. Yes, because in the original, it was, you know, was, if you weren't keeping it in a straight line, it was damn near unpilotable. Yeah, if you were fighting big enemies that you needed to, you know, dodge their mm-hmm. shots and whatnot, you'd maybe want to be able to control it well. Yeah. And it didn't. Well, if somehow, if you're a damaged uh, Mass Effect player that somehow can't deal with the new controls, uh, they still have the uh, the original control settings in there yeah. for the Mako. Uh, as yeah. I said here, we left the option to leave it back kind of closer to the original controls as well as if you want mm-hmm. for those people out there who do like pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm having a bit of a uh, conundrum this month because, yeah, there's two big games that come out this month, and Mass Effect Legendary Edition is one of them. The other one is Biomutant, and that one comes out later this month. Uh, I think it comes out on the 25th, like uh, 10, like 10-something days after Mass Effect Legendary Edition. So I'm thinking, like, do I want to go ahead and get Mass Effect Legendary Edition now, or do I want to wait until Biomutant and get Mass Effect later? I would assume Mass Effect will be available for as long as you need it. Yeah. It's not, uh, like, it's not like it's a brand new experience. No. And it's, they like to put it on sale. Yeah. Both of them will. 
Um, I actually might get a code for Biomutant, and if I do, it's yours. And um, I can probably get you Mass Effect um, discounted. So, uh, yeah. Well, figure wait for some things out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so there's the the news for the broken people uh-huh. <laughs> that have decided that is the one true way to control the Mako. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sorry to hear that, but hey, you can still play the new thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, also, speaking of EA, they have been broadening their sports portfolio, at least as far as announcements this year, not necessarily in terms of what's been released yet, but they made a big acquisition here to acquire the developer of the Super Mega Baseball series, Metalhead Software, mm. uh, presumably to make a new MLB game, I assume. Mm. I don't think you buy one of the best uh, independent baseball studios out there uh, just to not make them work on some sort of uh, licensed game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to keep the same sort of art style they have for Super Mega Baseball. Mm. Or any of the weirdness is there. Yeah. Their player names are pretty good. Mm-hmm. I've seen. Yeah. There's lots of, lots of silly names and all that. Uh, so yeah, definitely, you know, congrats to the team kind of getting some big, uh, big funding there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of the same way that the the studio that worked on the glo- the golf club got acquired by 2K to work on uh, some more PGA Tour stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, good to see. Yeah, we'll be curious to see sort of what the the ultimate part of this is. What sort of product they're going to be working on for EA? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they don't fuck it up. Hopefully, oh, okay. yeah. So yeah, yeah, that is uh, some good stuff. Oh yeah, I can't talk about this one. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, let's get to the ESA. E three twenty twenty one is happening in about a month from now. Mm-hmm. Still, do not have dates or times for any of these shows, but they have announced a slate of new companies that are going to be showing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, with you know companies like Square Enix, Bandai Namco, Gearbox, Devious mm-hmm. Eye Entertainment. Turtle Beach, Exceed Games, Sega's in there, as well as Verizon and Freedom Games, mm-hmm. uh, and Binge. I'm not sure yeah. all these companies are, but obviously Verizon's the phone company. They must be doing something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I see some more companies that are going to be involved in some form. I still don't know exactly what. If they're just going to have games that are going to be shown at you know, some of the other showcases or what, but we know Konami's decided to step down from this event. Mm-hmm. Apparently they didn't have anything coming together to show in time. No. So. <laughs> we still know very little about this event. Because mm. we know it's going to happen over the course of I think the 12th to the 15th, but we only have like two events announced and one of them's not even directly related to a publisher. Yeah. The, the PC gaming showcase. So that still remains a weird event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By this, uh, by this point, every other E3, we've known when everything's happening, what to expect from it, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be, God, it's going to, this, this year's E3 is going to be really fucking weird. Just, yeah. 
Yeah, like it, it, it absolutely has the feeling that the ESA right now is just completely rudderless. And like they just, they have no idea what to do with this event now because for all intents and purposes, it's kind of become obsolete. Yeah, I feel like this event is kind of a victim of the stuff coming together really late. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you had to have a physical event before. Mm-hmm. So you needed to have, you know, uh, booths you know lined up for who's getting what uh if you're doing you know a conference mm. you'd have the physical space rented out for specific times uh so you can get everything set up and ready to go and you know days in advance that kind of stuff mm. uh, not having that means this stuff can be a bit more seat on the pants yeah. your pants kind of uh scheduling as you know people are just making I assume most of them are just making the videos ahead of time. We'll just hit the play button when their time is, when their slot is scheduled mm-hmm. rather than having to have, you know, a whole thing mm-hmm. uh, scheduled out for what you have to show. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, like it's a live event. So not having to have that allows you to be a little bit more uh, loosey goosey and you say, is letting it get all loosey goosey on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's really interesting um, seeing how this is being put together. Um, so I listen to the uh, kind of funny podcast a lot, uh, which Greg Miller owns and hosts, and he'll he'll be hosting E3. And the information that he let out is that it's sort of going to be like a typical E3 presentation, but then you know there'll be uh, different announcements and vignettes put in between, so it'll look like something that's uh, definitely produced to be um, an online event. Um, he wouldn't say whether you know they're actually going to have any of the head honchos from any of those companies um, actually going to be there in person, but he kind of had the vibe that they would be. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's interesting in the sense that we have we really haven't seen any sort of organized real presentation with this many uh, participants since the Game Awards, and um, I think that. Um, one of the weirder things will be um, how it's actually presented to, to the E3 audience. Because like we know that um, the Game Awards has always really been about celebrating gaming, whereas E3 is, it's almost like a fight, right? You know, you have Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft like put out their big presentations throwing punch after punch for their, um, for their attempt to get all of our attention. And it makes you wonder whether um, this version of E3 will still have that aura. Like, you know, um, obviously we're we're in a generation where um, they're starting to play nice with one another. So who knows? Maybe instead of showing like real bangers, they're just going to show like you know these these light games to like have people get some interest. But we don't know if we're really going to see any show stopping presentations. And the mm-hmm. part that really makes this interesting to me is the fact that um, summer of gaming is still happening. So. Are we going to yeah. see a lot of regurgitations, or are we going to see those two events perhaps compete with each other? I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see sort of how that stuff is divvied up and all that. So, yeah, we still have weeks away to find out exactly what's all going on with both of those events and see how all this lines up. Because mm-hmm. fuck if we know what's going on at this point. Yep. <laughs> that's weird for an E3 that's actually happening. Mm-hmm. 
And considering, I mean, it's literally only like a month or so away now, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, typically for, like, you know, the the, the small guys like us, like, it, it's not out of the ordinary for us to take the week off so we can go ahead and cover what we want, what we want to cover, right? But at this point, while we know what the dates are, the fact that we don't know who's going when makes it frustrating, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's the, the status of E3 for this week. We'll see if it changes for next week. But yeah, let's get to a couple of key departures. Uh, This one happened at CD Projekt Red. Mm -hmm. The director of The Witcher 3, Conrad Pomeskiewicz, has Mm -hmm. resigned from his position after allegations of workplace bullying. Mm -hmm. Uh, The internal investigation that they had found him not guilty of this behavior, but he decided to step down anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, apologized in his email out to you know coworkers and all that, uh, apologizing for any of the bad blood that he has caused. Yeah, yeah so maybe not a a great manager of people. Yeah, he is uh, yelling at people all the time. Yeah, I think I, I I believe I heard some allegations about this stuff a couple like a couple years ago started to sort of ferment outside of CD Projekt Red and into the overall gamosphere, I guess. Um, yeah. And I guess this is just it's this is where they finally decided to make it official about their findings. And he decided, you know, maybe just staying with the company would just be a bad image anyway. So he just decided to say, just up and quit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably a result of, you know, them being a small company early on mm-hmm. and sort of growing over the course of getting to the Witcher three and cyberpunk to the point there, you know, have hundreds and hundreds of people, mm-hmm. uh, the sort of way you can behave when you have, you know, 10, 20 people is a lot Mm -hmm. different than when you have, you know, a few hundred people Mm -hmm. to work with where you can't just be, you know, more uh, rough with people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you need everybody in peak form to get those games out. Mm -hmm. Whereas you can kind of be a jerk uh, when it's smaller, but... Mm -hmm. It's less tolerable once you have once you're outnumbered by so many people. Mm. Essentially, uh, that was kind of the way that the the one guy that was running Ben Studio was talking. Mm-hmm. As to why he basically was told to get out because he was an asshole. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it's it was a fine when we were you know a small team, but by the time we were working on Days Gone, it was not okay anymore. Mm-hmm. They basically told him to get the fuck out as soon as that game was done. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see that that's kind of becoming a thing that's, you know, is not being mm-hmm. tolerated anymore. Yeah. Because you can't just, uh, you know, push people around and force them to finish things. Mm-hmm. It's not how it's going to work anymore. Pretty much. Let's talk about probably the saddest news of the week. Yeah. Uh, Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker, and Vinny Caravella announced that they were leaving Giant Bomb as mm-hmm. uh Effective as of Friday, May yeah. the 7th. So, Damn, that is sad. Yeah, three of the longtime members of both Giant Bomb and GameSpot uh, been around as people that have followed them in the media for you know damn near 20 years at this point. 
Uh, I think Brad mentioned on the podcast that when they started Giant Bomb, he was 28. Mm-hmm. And now he is getting near 42. It's like, that's a long time to spend with one company. And a long time to spend, you know, at, you know, one job, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like all three of them very much were kind of very much worn down by the pandemic and realizing the uh, how it makes you rethink about your priorities in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you what would be better for you as a person, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And it seems like all three of them kind of came to the realization that, you know, maybe it's time to hang it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like all three are very much like, you know, going to take a break for a while, maybe think about whatever's next after that. Uh, and very much kind of came out of this pandemic, realizing they couldn't maybe do this, uh, especially as like a work from home type of job mm-hmm. uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, in a in a industry where maybe having offices is not necessary, mm-hmm. as much as it seemed like it was. Yeah, yeah. What particularly makes this sad um, is the fact that uh, Giant Bomb is a brand that these guys built like pretty much on their own. Um, mm-hmm. As Chris mentioned, like they were all pretty much Gamespot castoffs um, for reasons. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go into that because that's 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 totally something else, but. Um, um, for 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 what I'm aware of, like they were really the first uh, freelancers to go over and like make their own thing. Um, like the the gaming industry landscape has changed multiple times uh, throughout our own and Giant Bomb's existence, and it's definitely changed a lot with Gamespot as well. And like a lot of the bigger sites, uh, you know, and, and I'm talking directly about sites like IGN and Gamespot, like. As as talented as everybody there is now, and they 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 they're incredibly talented. It's just not what it was uh, twenty years ago, uh, primarily because of what things like advertising and um, the prominence of uh, video and viral content um, has has done. Like uh, for me in particular, like the reason why I got my journalism degree was uh, to do what we do now, and um, the pay just isn't there, um, and. Guys like you know Alex and Vinny and um, Brad, like you know they they were able to build the brand and like be be well off with it. And it's a shame that uh, things like the pandemic had to happen because like you know what they had was fantastic. Um, granted, you know Giant Bomb is still uh, still exists. It's going to be strong, especially with uh, Jeff's leadership. Yeah. But you know, um, as we, we 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 just keep saying, it's 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 not going to be the same. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why, like, you see a lot of freelancers uh, or anybody that's worked in big games media move over to um, development because there's just more money in it. And you really have to think about what's worth it and what isn't in times like these. And wherever wherever they go, whatever they do, um, they have my support. Um, guys like Alex are people that, you know, I've befriended during my, time with, during my times with, with, with GameSpot. You know, I'm in a fancy football league with them, things like that. So... Yeah, it's it's rough, but I'm sure these guys are going to be well off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, have a quote from Jeff here about the the future of the site, saying, "I spent a lot of the last year thinking about what's next for Giant Bomb, and most of these roads lead to a full on rethink of what it means to be a website about video games in 2021." Mm-hmm. But I certainly would have loved to solve these challenges with my longtime friends and coworkers by my side. It just wasn't meant to be. I wish Vinny, Alex, and Brad the best. 
Meanwhile, we have a pretty exciting opportunity to broaden our horizons, rethink every facet of our operation, and get to a place where we're truly able to build that bomb all over again or die trying. Mm. Which, yeah, it's it's sort of thing like they've been doing basically the same thing for 13 years, and it works pretty well. It was a formula that they started doing before that was the thing everybody else does now. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody else does, you know, their versions of quick plays, uh, their versions of, you know, let's play through an entire game on the internet. Let's, you know, live stream this game out. Uh, so people can check it out even before we could maybe put out a proper video. Let's do all this other weird stuff, you know, podcasts. They had one of the first podcasts with the hotspot on GameSpot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, so it gives them a chance. They, I think they've said like they're going to be pretty light on content for the next month or so mm-hmm. as they're sort of thinking about what, what they're going to do for the future. Uh, yeah, he says here as well, there's a collective vision for what the future of Giant Bomb is, and it involves both familiar and new faces. We're already in the talks with creators so that we can begin the next chapter. Fully aware that this marks a big change, and we're using this as an opportunity to rethink what the site is chance to introduce new personalities from different backgrounds and explore categories and topics that we have we never have before so it's like definitely they're thinking about you know having new voices on the team that can bring new perspectives and all that which is some of the stuff they've done pretty well over the past with austin walker uh abby russell uh people like that can bring in other personalities and voices that you know they can't as you know, a bunch of older white men. <laughs> uh, I think I mentioned on the the bombcast, like there's not really much of a blueprint for what it's like to be in this business as you know, 40 plus year old, because most people either find something else to do, move into the industry, consulting, whatever it is, uh, to keep doing this, especially because Jeff also announced that he has a second child on the way with his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, in September, and so it's like uh, a lot of uh, ability to kind of rethink what what they want to do with the site versus just kind of doing the same thing over and over again, mm-hmm. just with more tools and new consoles and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So yeah, yeah, very I much. I do think that's... like uh, new blood really plays into a part of like what their uh, revision should be. I mean, like. It's no secret that, you know, a lot of us are getting much older now. Um, I mean, the Smash Pad itself has existed for, like, uh, the better part of 15 years now. And we were actually an aside to, uh, to Giant Bomb. Um, I remember, like, making my tweet as soon as um, the news hit. And uh, Patrick uh, went ahead and uh, voiced in as well. And uh, this is what he said. Uh, There's a lot I could add to this, but Twitter is a very restrictive format. Simply, the original model of the Day Zero update was a direct companion of the Giant Bondcast, including the long format that drove some co-hosts complete, absolutely nuts. Mm. In a particular 2014, early 2015 episode featuring Jim Sterling, pretty much cemented it in my mind that we had struck gold. I have big plans that had to go on the back burner for a lot of reasons. Uh, the original vision I had in 2014 is very much alive and well, and I attribute most of it to the Giant Bondcast. So, I mean, like I said... Um, Smashpad and Days Erupted in general is made up of a lot of uh, 
former GameSpot moderators, like, you know, we were never a part of GameSpot's paid staff, but we actually had, you know, um, our relationships with the various people that worked on, on GameSpot and Giant Bomb. So we, we, we consider ourselves to uh, be very good friends of them on the internet. And mm. um, so, yeah, like, um, again, uh, I, I, I said it earlier, like the, 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 er, the industry has really transcended itself. And part of what goes into my modern respect for these guys is the fact that they've been able to go on for so long and at the same time, produce content that's relevant to as many people as they've, uh, as they've hit. So, yeah. 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 It's, it'll be tough to see him go. Uh, but I think with Jeff and Jason and Jan, uh, leading that group, they Is still there. No, he stepped down. I think a few months ago. Okay. He was basically talking about how, being in the the public eye has not been great for him. Gotcha. Uh, he kind of wanted to step down for his own mental health and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of live a it's more private, private life, work, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Which makes sense for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, with those guys there, I'm excited to see what the the new vision is for this, uh, this site. Mm. Uh, and you know, there's still 13 years of amazing content. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been downloading a lot of it just to revisit a lot of it. There's a lot of ridiculous stuff on there. Like their their last stream with uh, the guys, they watch some of the stuff, like some of the early Brad reviews, where it's like you think of him with his voice and all that, mm-hmm. and him reading you know scripts, and it does not sound anything like the current Brad. <laughs> Yeah, or it's a bit more North Carolina Southern voice to it, as well as somebody who hadn't quite found their their voice yet. Mm. Uh, that kind of stuff. I think early Vinny stuff, where he has a lot more hair and he's uh, trying to decipher like internet banter over Star Wars versus Star Trek from the GameSpot forums. Mm. Uh, so has that nice bit of humor that he has uh, to him. So that's uh, fun. I think. Showed Alex and Big Rigs, his stuff mm. there. Oh man, where where it's him going nuts, him him trying to review the RoboCop game on the Xbox, which is terrible, and like him essentially doing like vlog style videos of him just going further and further uh, off the deep end. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just for Giant Bomb, there's. Tons of great videos. You want to watch a lot of that great stuff, especially the, some of their Game of the Year stuff. Or they did a whole thing where they were parodying like top CBS shows, sitcoms, police procedurals, all that kind of stuff, which is mm. even 60 minutes. Uh, some hilarious stuff. So, yeah, it'll be sad to see them go, but I think as Vinny was saying, it's not goodbye, it's see you later. Mm-hmm. They'll be back. Just like a number of the other people that have been, that have left the the site have come back in various forms for like extra life and other things. So they won't be gone for good. Mm. Yeah. That big rigs review from um, Alex Navarro at GameSpot was just, that's probably my favorite memory as uh, somebody just uh, perusing the forums back then. So if you guys haven't seen that, you know, definitely uh, 
YouTube GameSpot reviews big rigs, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's it's, it's classic. Oh yeah, yeah. There's one of him doing a video review for the 24 game, mm-hmm. where he's literally just getting constant phone calls like you have to finish this review in 30 minutes. <laughs> it's like talk about the graphics. It's like God, ah, he just pulls out a gun, threatening. Uh, who Brian Eckberg, who went on to work for Turn Ten, the Forza devs, like him, just like threatening, like you did a preview for it once. Tell me about the graphics, all this kind of stuff. Just yelling at him, going, going, uh, haywire there. So yeah, mm. a lot of good stuff these guys have made over the years. Still have plenty of it around to entertain yourself if you need to. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Giant Bomb is here in the next couple months as they figure out what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that'll be it for today's show. Yeah. Thank you to Brandon Dan Rip for joining today. We'll be back next week with a new slate of news. Mm-hmm. Feel free to let friends and family know if you enjoy the show to subscribe and check it out. Mm. Yeah. We'll be back next week mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see you guys again next time.